I, I just think in the day, I, I think it's really important to ask that very simple question. What if that was my kid? What if that was my kid? How would I want him treated? And, um, you know, I, I think part of that, though, is telling them the truth. Because if I really care enough about you, I'm going to tell you the truth. I mean, I, I, I've got to care enough to say, look, this is what's got to happen if you want to get better. But also, it's like 99% of things in life. It's not what you say. It's how you say it. Yeah. You can be demeaning, you can talk down to them, but you can try, or you can try to help them in the right way. But when you coach, like, what if that was my kid? And if you don't think a coach is important, wait till your child gets one. Yeah. And that's when you start realizing, hey, you know, I saw this the other day, you know, whether you're struggling or having a great year, always remember, or the kids struggling or having a great year, you may be the coach that that parent has been praying for to coach their kid for a long, long time. Hi, and welcome to the Champions 101 Culture and Leadership Podcast. My name is Travis Doherty. I'm your host, and I'm so glad you're here. Our goal here, as always, in today's conversation is to learn from some great leaders and culture builders, to pull back the curtain a little bit on what motivates them and what makes them who they are. And to use that insight to continue to become the best leaders and culture builders we can be with our teams at work, at home, or wherever else our leadership is called for. As always, the podcast is brought to you by Champions 101. Champions 101 is a sports performance and leadership development program designed to help coaches, athletes, and sports parents get the most out of their athletic experience. Like any 101 course, it's focused on the fundamentals, the basics of what becoming a champion requires. The truth is, champions aren't born, they're built. That's our belief at Champions 101, and I hope your belief too. If you're a coach or an athletic director who's interested in developing your leaders and strengthening the culture where you are, you can learn more at champions101.com. Today's guest on the podcast is Lipscomb University men's basketball coach, Lenny Acuff. Coach Acuff is in his 32nd year as a college head coach, including a long and successful stint at the University of Alabama at Huntsville. He's one of the best basketball minds in the game today, but I think you'll see from our time together that he's also a coach of high character who recognizes a deeper purpose in this coaching experience and someone who is committed to leading his team and developing his culture in a way that reflects that. I hope you get as much out of this conversation as I did. Coach Acuff is the head men's basketball coach at Lipscomb University in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, thrilled to have him here today to talk a little bit about his leadership style and the culture he's built in the programs that he's led. I was fortunate to coach a player in high school that went on to play for Coach Acuff when he was at University of Alabama Huntsville. So I've seen up close and personal what a great coach and leader he is and uh, thrilled to be able to learn a little bit from him here today. So, Coach, thanks so much for for being here and joining us for this conversation. Oh, it's my pleasure, Travis. It, it, it doesn't seem like that long ago I was at Bishop Chatard and checking <laughs> out our man Greg Gardner and uh, did not think we were going to get him. He surprised us and decided to come to Huntsville. And, uh, he had a great career, but but most importantly, just an amazing, amazing young man. And, 
you know, he was very fortunate to play for you in high school, and I've always considered you a friend. So th th thank you for asking me. I'm honored to be on. Yeah, he, yeah, Greg was one of my favorites, and I know one of your favorites too. Um, sure. I, I want to kind of jump straight into, you know, some, some of the um, priorities that you've kind of set for yourself and for your programs, uh, regardless of where you've been. I, I've heard you talk about kind of the core values of your program and, and the pillars of your culture. Could you just start by kind of breaking down, you know, what are those core values for you here as we get started? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that, you know, when you asked me uh, to join you last week, I thought, wow, I, I could write a, I could write a new book almost on this in the last three years, you know, because I was at University of Alabama in Huntsville for 22 years. And I, I, I just think when you talk about culture, leadership, those type things, you just don't fall to the top of the mountain. I mean, it takes a long, long, long time. And so, you know, three years ago, I became the head coach at Lipscomb University in Nashville. And for most basketball people, they identify Lipscomb with Coach Don Meyer, you know, who I think was one of the greatest basketball coaches that ever lived, if not the best. And um, so we play on Don Meyer court. Um, you know, it's just a real honor to be here, to be the coach at Lipscomb. But it, it, kind of a little background, when, 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 you, when you're somewhere 22 years, you have a chance to put a lot of equity into it. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of lot of failure that allows you to fail forward um but you know so i guess about year 10 or 11 at huntsville i said we just we always talk about what we want to be about i said we need to put some definitive core values in place that are constantly in front of our kids and um and it's selfless thankful humble driven committed and responsible you know, selfless, thankful, humble, dribble, committed, and responsible. I've said it a few times, so I think I've got it memorized. But, you know, so it's funny, when I came here, um, they had been to the NCAA tournament two years prior to me arriving. They had been to the championship of the NIT the year I got here. And um, and Casey Alexander was a coach here and did a great, great, great job. Casey's the head coach now at Belmont and uh, is, a, is an amazing coach and an even better person. And – um, he did a really good job in the six years here of establishing culture and establishing who he wanted their program to be. The only thing that, that was a really a stumbling block when I got here, though, was we lost almost our whole team, 7,700 points uh, left. And uh, I don't know, somebody told me it's the most in the history of Division One basketball. I, I, that's a lot. And um, so a lot of those guys that were kind of the, the flagship guys, they were gone. And um, we had to kind of reinvent ourselves. Well, my first year here, we get to the championship game against Liberty. We lose there on Sunday, and on Wednesday, the pandemic hit. And everything has changed since then, right. everything. In college basketball, and particularly in Division One, it's, it's not the same. Simply because, and I was thinking, we, we talk about it every day in staff meetings, how hard it is now with the ability to transfer and not have to set out to try to build a program a program is basically a plan like that. that that's our plan. Um, your culture is how are you, how, what is going to be your foundational pillars to allow that plan to process. And, and I do think now more than ever, you've got to be convicted to your core mm. on what really matters. And um, you know, for us, it's, we're going to stick to those six things. And, and it's really important to me that whoever we decide uh, we're going to offer opportunities to come and play basketball here at our school, 
is a fit, not just in basketball, but a fit on our campus. Um, I, I'm not going to compromise what the school stands for to try to win basketball games. I, I think the, the longest distance between two points is a shortcut. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, we're not going to do that. And, um, and so, you know, that's a long winded answer to kind of get to where I'm going. It's hard. Mm-hmm. It's really, 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 really hard. And in our society today where everything is instant gratification, I mean, if I, I'm not a big social media guy, but if you ever on social media as a, as a game's going on, I mean, people are just killing coaches five minutes into the game. Yeah. And I mean, the game just started. And they're just getting killed. And um, so I think for you to really have a deep-seated belief in who you are and being willing to stick to that, I think, is a real challenge going forward and particularly in the society we live in now. Yeah, I I think um, all of us in coaching can probably relate to, you know, that that pull that we felt at some point to kind of deviate from our core values, right? We get seduced by – the idea of a talented kid, even though we recognize he may not be an ideal fit for, for our culture. Obviously you said, you know, at this point, you're not willing to deviate very far from your core yeah. values when it comes to yeah. recruiting. Is that a lesson that you've learned the hard way at times throughout yeah. your career? Oh, for sure. I, I, some people have been nice enough to ask me to speak, speak at some clinics. And I, I honestly, I think the next clinic I do is going to be everything I've done wrong. I mean, I've made so many mistakes, and but I do think as I got older, um, this is my 32nd year as a college head coach, and the longer I did it, I said, you know, I really want to be willing to coach guys that I'm willing to lose with. That's the kind of guys I want to coach with. Nobody wants to lose. Um, you know, when you coach, a win feels like a win. One win, a loss feels like seven. Mm-hmm. It's brutal. But I, I know at the end of the day, I wanted to be comfortable with the young man I was surrounding myself with, my, surrounding my children with. And so we just bet on character. Um, now, don't get me wrong. It, you've got to have good players. But I do think when you have the right kids, the right fit, I think it gives you a lot better chance to walk through those dark valleys that you're going to go through. Um, and it, there's, no easy, there's no easy way to go through it. But yes, I, I think we all do think when you when you kind of get going into it. I, I mean, we want to win. I have to win here. I mean, that's that's why they hire me. Um, but I do think knowing, you know, what are you willing to live with and what's your really core values, I think, are important. But now I'm also not somebody that doesn't believe in second chances. I mean, we're we're a Christian school. That's what the Christian faith is based upon. Is the the you know we all make mistakes, and I'm at the front of the line, and you know that's the message of of, of of any Christian faith is that regardless of the denominations, that's that everyone makes mistakes. But I think that, I think when you get into all this, I, I, I really believe this is important when you're dealing with kids, is it a heart issue slash character issue, or is it a maturity issue? And a lot of times kids are just immature. That, that doesn't make them bad kids. Um, it doesn't make them of low character. They just haven't matured. But now if you have a kid that has a hard heart and, and really has character issues that continue to go on and on and on and on, that's a whole nother lane you're getting into. So I, I'm willing to walk through with guys through maturity um, and, and fight like crazy to help them become the men that they're called to be. But also, you know, some, things, some, some kids that I'm just not good enough coach to coach. 
you know, Coach Meyer used to talk about that all the time. I'm just not a good enough coach to deal with him. And um, so, you know, it, there's, a, there's a lot to it. But I do think for us just to know who we are, what we believe in, and what we value, I think that's our jumping on point. And, you know, an interesting story, my first year here, after we lost all those kids, we actually got halfway through the league. It was a 16-game league schedule, and we were in last place. Um, we were three and five, uh, lost several close games and had been blown out a couple of times too. And, but I felt like we had good kids and I felt like we were continuing to work every day and they showed up every single day, but we ended up winning, I think nine of our last 10, uh, we finished third in the league. We ended up getting to the championship game of our conference tournament. And those guys, those kids were really able to flip the script, but it was all based on who they were. We, we didn't start doing a whole lot differently. We just started doing it a little bit better. And we also, I, I mean, I think anytime you're coaching, it's 99% of the time, it's never as bad as you think it is when it's going bad. And it's never as good as think you think it is when it's going well. So you just have to find that that realistic middle ground. Say, okay, this is who we are. Um, we, my team, we've struggled in the league. We're three and five right now, halfway through this year. And we've had the lead in uh, four of the five games we've lost inside the last 10 minutes. Three of them, we had double figure leads. So, what we've got to figure out is what's the two or three little things that can help us become just – sometimes you got to be careful you're playing just good enough to get beat. And what do we have to do to play just well enough to win? And so I think the way to do it is to stay after it. But it's a lot easier to stay after when you have high-character high young men. Yeah, so true. Of, of course, you know, many coaches have their list of core values, their pillars. They put posters on the wall and pages in the notebook – you know, I, I had Tim Kite from Focus 3 on not long ago, and he talked about kind of the, the longest journey in culture building is, is the one from the page to, you know, the player's head to the player's heart. Mm. And I, I was curious, you know, like what are some of the kind of practical ways that you try to really bring those core values to life for your guys? Is that um, – is that signage on the wall? Is it a regular conversation? Yeah. Like, how do you, how do you, how do you move it from the page to the head to the heart? Well, you know, we're like everybody. You, you try to brand your program. You try to make sure, particularly in college, that your program's branded. That's attractive to recruits. And and I, I would love to tell you we've got those core values all over our building. We don't. Uh, we have them in our locker room, but we talk about them every single day. And we might not talk directly about, okay, what is being selfless? What is being thankful? What is being humble? But everything we're doing revolves around those six things. I mean, we had a game not too long ago, and the whole pregame talk was, all right, all we want to do is stay true to our core values. Mm -hmm. Let's play this game with a really selfless heart. Um, you know, let's be thankful, all those things. But but I, I totally agree. I, I, you can put all the signs up you want. You can have all these fancy graphics. But if it's like all of us in our lives, you know, the, the biggest gap in life, <coughs> I'm sorry, excuse me, is what you what you know you should do versus what you do. Yeah. That that's the gap we all have to try to walk through. And so you can talk about it all you want, <coughs> but until the end of the day, unless you reward that, I, I think for us is to constantly, constantly put things in front of them that they understand they're rewarded for being true to those values. Hey, now's a great time for me to take a quick break to tell you about Dr. Bish. 
the best, the most user-friendly, and the most advanced shooting machines in the world. Dr. Dish machines are the most effective way to increase purposeful reps in your program. They provide custom training, real-time and detailed analysis, and top-of-the-line drills and workouts. You can check out their selection at drdishbasketball.com and mention the Champions 101 Culture and Leadership Podcast for an exclusive discount on select models. Now, back to today's conversation. Obviously, you you referenced uh, Coach Don Meyer already, and of course, you know you're now as the head coach at Lipscomb. That creates a unique connection to to him and his legend, uh, his legacy. Uh, I, I heard you tell a story about coaching against him earlier in your career, maybe when you were at Barry. Yep, that's um, right. And and just how impressive his team was, and how evident his culture, their, their program's culture was. Can you just talk a little bit about that game and that experience yeah. and what you saw from his program and just the influence in a bigger sense that Coach Meyer has had on you? Yeah, um, interesting. When I was, I guess, probably about the ninth or 10th grade, I started coming to Don Meyer's basketball camps. And, um, and then in high school, I was fortunate enough to be on really good high school teams. And um, – my junior year, after my junior year, two of our, our two best players, Simon Lipscomb. And then in my senior year, uh, another one of the players on my team, Simon Lipscomb, and they did recruit me some. Um, they ended came down to me another kid, and they took another kid, and it was the right kid. He was a lot better than I was. They won a national championship. So I had a familiarity with Coach Meyer. And then um, towards the end of his career here at Lipscomb, we, the school I was at, Barry College in Georgia, got in the league. And so – we played them, you know, and when you, I mean, when you're getting ready to play against Coach Meyer in my shoes, I mean, that, that is as close to coaching deity as it, as it gets. And I remember, excuse me, playing the game and everybody was excited. We had a big environment, big crowd, great environment. And the game was tied with about eight minutes to go. And, and I, I thought we were playing really well. I thought we were playing hard. I thought we gave ourselves a chance. And with about eight minutes to go, they had a kick. They had another gear we knew nothing about. And, and it was all about their culture. At the end of the day, they outcultured us that night. I mean, they, they didn't do anything different schematically. They just could do what they were coached to do longer, better, and harder than we could do it. And so I've never forgotten that. I was sitting there thinking, good night. They are shooting fish in a barrel this last eight minutes because I'm being outcoached. I'm, I mean, they were just so much further along in their program than we were. And it was just all that he had put every single day to where he just never gave an inch. I mean, it was just it, it was really fascinating to watch firsthand. And so that was a great lesson for me that but but also to be able to step back now a little bit later and realize that took a long time for them to get there. Mm -hmm. A long time um, towards the end of my time at Huntsville. We had some really, really good teams and um, with great players. And, 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 and we're fortunate in, in a town like Huntsville, you know, there's no major division one schools. There's no pro teams. We had a lot of interest and a lot of support for our program, but, and it would be coaches come through there and like, wow, I want this. I, I'd love, I'd like to have this for our program. Da, da, da. And they said, how did this happen? I said, 22 years, every single day, mm -hmm. one handshake, one breakfast, one lunch, one interaction at a time. And, and a lot of God's grace and good fortune. I mean, good players right a lot of wrongs. And it, it, it's a player's game. And I, I tell you, 
but but and I'll talk about that in a little bit. But I, I think at the end of the day, what we got had in place, our program and our culture attracted people that were like minded. And I always tell our guys, passionate people attract others. You know, I never I've never ran into to an EO or thought I want to be like him or I want to be around him every day. I want to be around a guy that brings energy and excitement. And and so, but I and 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 in no way am, am I being self-promoting. What I'm saying is it took a long, long, long time to get there. It took a long time for long time for Coach Meyer to get the program here where he wanted it. And so just you just don't be impatient. Just just keep going. Just keep doing the next right thing right. Yeah. I would have to imagine at some point in your career, you've had some of those games where maybe your team didn't play as well. Maybe you beat somebody you felt like was more talented than you that you could point to as like, you know, it felt like we outcultured them. Those yeah. have to be some of like your most fun, most rewarding wins, right? Yeah. You know, I, I think at the end of the day, <clears throat> at trying to get your team to play better maybe than they are. You know, how can you get your team collectively? How can we be better um, with the sum of our parts than we are individually? And and I think that's when you start, when you're doing this, I think you have to have long-term vision with short-term goals. What do, ultimately, what do we want to look like long-term, but understanding it's an everyday thing to get there. So what are our short-term goals? And, and I think, you know, there's, there's something really special about when you when you are part of a game, a part of a team, and you're like, we were better. We played probably better than we were. And it was just because everybody was willing, everybody was with you. And I think <clears throat> that's so hard to do now, to keep everybody pushing in the right direction because, I mean, we even talked about it after practice yesterday. You know, we're at that time of year. We got about a month left in the season. We, you, we have 13 scholarship players. You can't play 13 guys in a game. So there's going to be those two or three guys that aren't playing as much. Um, and, and if they're bringing negative energy or there's a, a uh, outward or maybe even silent defiance to what's going on, that's an energy vampire that that's going to take away from what you're trying to do. So, you know, those, it, it, I, I really believe it's just like when you're doing this, it's like herding sheep. You just, I mean, you look away for a minute and there goes one that way. Yeah. It is constant. You've got, I mean, I don't care how good it's going. You got to constantly be herding the sheep. And again, this is where we want to go. This is our long-term vision, but this is how we're going to get here. We're going to move the, the we're going to move the herd a little further down the road today, collectively. Because when one starts wandering off, that's, that's a deterrent. Yeah, that's a great illustration. Are there some other coaches either that you've uh, coached against or, um, you know, either past or present that you really admire as leaders and culture builders, guys you look at and just say, man, I, it's evident to me, you know, either in, in college basketball or in any other sport or arena that, that um, you think really exemplify what great leadership or culture builder looks like. Yeah. You know, and, and most of the guys that, that I would probably reference are, are not people. A lot of people know, um, I have heard of, you know, because I coached at the smaller at a, at a division two school for 22 years. Um, I, I will tell you in the three years I have been here at Lipscomb, it's, I mean, a lot of people think, oh, you know, in division one is not that great a coach and they just have great players. These guys know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. I mean, they do. Um, I, I think for me, 
I try to follow and study programs that have long-term sustained success, consistency. Um, I'm not really over enamored with flash in the pan. Um, you know, we all can throw mud at a wall and every once in a while it'll stick. But it's the programs, the ones I would study and probably have the most admiration for that are consistently good. And 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 probably not even the blue bloods. Yeah. You know, what makes um uh, you know, they're right down the street from us, but you know, Rick Bird was unbelievable at Belmont and um and what Casey's done there is amazing. You know, what makes Belmont that good every single year? Yeah. What makes uh Liberty? That's two of our and, and I'm and I'm talking about two people we recruit against, but like there's they're good every year. And and so what what are the programs that have sustained su- sustained success without you knowing, hey, you know, just every night they have better players than who they're playing. Yeah. yeah. At the end of the day. Um, you know, there's so many people. I, I, I'm real, real happy. I have a good friend, Doug Novak, that uh, was the head coach at Bethel in Minnesota for a number, number of years. Now he's the interim coach at Mississippi State for the women. And what he's done with their team is just it, – it's the greatest story in college basketball no one knows about. And, you know, I've often – my, my, for a long, long time admired Doug and what he does. There's so many people that have been – so kind to me and it poured into me. I, I would leave so many people out. I, I'm just throwing it, trying to throw out people at this level that have sustained success. I think those are the ones who's like, there's something there. Yeah. There's something in the sauce. And, and I think continuing to say, okay, what, what makes them and have the ability to consistently have success without, at least from my point of view, I'm not, not boots on the ground with them, without really compromising what they believe in. I've heard you say one important quality of your culture is a focus on learning and improving kind of that development environment that, that growth is a priority for, for your teams and for your people. That is of course, something a lot of coaches say they value or claim to value. Um, But it's a lot harder. I think all of us in coaching would admit to really embrace the reality of the growth and improvement process. Why would you say that's so important to you? And how do you fight that urge to kind of jump to, you know, being maybe only judgmental or, or only outcome focused that I think that pull that all of us have, um, what, why is that such a priority in your program? Well, I, I, I fight it like everybody. I mean, I, I want to win and everybody wants to win. I, I think you have to identify what kind of program you're going to be. Like we, we need to be a developmental program here. We're going to be mostly high school kids. Uh, we have two transfers on our team right now. But um, the majority of our kids, 11 of our 13 players came here out of high school. And the only way in today's college basketball world to be able to be competitive is for you to be able to grow from within. Um, we, we have a bit, we have, we talk about it all the time. You have to be willing to work while you wait and you have to be willing to do that. And, and I, we also, it, you're always saying, I'm trying to coach next year's team today. Like I, I'm thinking, I mean, we, we have a kid that's, that's in the starting lineup for us now that six weeks ago wasn't even playing and he's a freshman and he was close, but he just couldn't figure some things out, but very talented. Well, now he's, he's starting and really, really helping us. And, you know, I think a lot of times you could just give up on that kid or, or I mean, you could say, oh, he's not ready, he's, he can't play, da, 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 da. I think just understanding that everybody develops at a different pace 
and that are, are we really doing everything on a day-to-day -day basis to help our guys grow? Um, you know, they, they just can't be the same guy in March that they were in September. They can't be. Yeah. And as we segue, you know, six weeks from now, whenever this is all over, you know, this off season for us, we have to get better. I mean, we just got a lot. I was just before you and I hopped on, I was on the board looking at our depth chart for next year. And we've got some guys that we've got to continue to develop. But, but I think it's hard to sustain, sustain anything if you don't have internal intentional growth. Like I, I think a lot of times in college basketball, if you're on the road and I'll be sitting there at an AAU event and I'm talking to a guy and, well, they'll ask you about your, you ask them about their team. Well, we got three starters back. We signed three guys, da, 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 da. Well, I think what really the best programs do is sustain it from within. Like that, that we say growing them in the weeds. Like, well, you go play that team next year. I hope people play us next year. Like, where did he get that kid from? Well, he was here and he just grew into a different player. And I think that really, you know, that, that's just like signing a, a starter when you can have a kid grow from within. And so when you get those kind of kids, there's there's um, there's equity in your program that, you know, loyalty is a two way street. You know, and, and I think a lot of times coaches want loyalty from kids, but sometimes we want a bell on the first time it doesn't go. You know, that oh, well, he's not ready. He's not ready. Well, we probably knew that when we signed. Yeah. That's probably why we got it. You know, if it's a high school kid ready to come in here and start right away, he's probably going power five. And so, I mean, it's a good level of basketball. Division two is a really, really good level of basketball. I mean, you're in Indiana, which is probably the best NAI state in the country. I mean, there's great teams up there. And so, um, and, I mean, you got to be a good player, but for somebody to walk in and play right away, that's hard to find now. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, Greg Gardner is a great example of that, Travis. I mean, we thought – you know, he came in behind arguably the, the, one of the greatest players that ever played Division II basketball. And he came in as a true freshman. We thought he would start. And um, and he had a rough year. I mean, his first year was a real struggle. But about midway through his second year, it just kind of clicked. And I thought by the end of his career there, I thought he should have been the player of the year in the league. Yeah. But, I mean, there were many nights that first year that I'm thinking, oh, boy, I hope he's going to be good enough. But that's where you better bet on character. You better bet on having the right kind of kids that are willing to work and stick with it. And but I think you also have to stick with them. Yeah, well said. And and this is probably a time too to to reconnect to the comment you made earlier about developing maturity too, right? I mean, like this conversation in the last two minutes is focused on player development, but that concept applies to people development too, right? I mean, like the, the character and the, oh, and the maturity sure. of the kids coming in, that's all part of that process. Right. Yeah. I, I think you have to value people constantly praise who they are and what they're about and what you're looking for. But at the end of the day, you have to reward performance. So you're trying to tie all three of those things together. But the first thing you have to do is value the person. Um, you know, I, I think I, I've, I've had, you know, I have two children uh, both played sports. My daughter uh, played uh, high school volleyball, was a good player, and, and won a state championship. My son played <clears throat> college baseball and, and was really fortunate to have a really good experience. And um, But I also know when you have – you, it's, I, I just think in the day, I, I think it's really important to ask that very simple question, what if that was my kid? What if that was my kid? How would I want him treated? And um, – you know, I, I think part of that, though, is telling them the truth, because if I really care enough about you, I'm going to tell you the truth. I mean, I, 
I, I've got to care enough to say, look, this is what's got to happen if you want to get better. But also, it's like 99% of things in life. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. Yeah. You, know, you can be demeaning, you can talk down to them, but you can try, or you can try to help them in the right way. But when you coach, like, what if that was my kid? And if you don't think a coach is important, wait till your child gets one. Yeah. I mean, that's when you start realizing, hey, you know, I saw this the other day, you know, whether you're struggling or having a great year, always remember, or the kids struggling or having a great year, you may be the coach that that parent has been praying for to coach their kid for a long, long time. And the impact you can have, I mean, I know the impact coaches have had in my life. And so, you know, I, I the, the the two things, and I'm sorry to ramble, but the two so good, things, coach. The, the, the two things I think we as coaches can do really do better is always thinking about what if that was my kid in that situation, how would I want him treated? And then secondly, as coaches understand that, but for the grace of God go I, you know, that, that I mean, everybody goes through struggles. I mean, it's amazing that we, we played early this year. Uh, we won at Dayton. Uh, we were really fortunate. We played well. We had a great win. And, and I kid you not, I probably had 400 texts that night. Okay. And that was nice. It, everyone that meant so much and, and everybody was really kind, but we also lost five in a row right after that. Our, our, our best player uh, had to have knee surgery. And you're at LSU, at Miami, at Florida State, at Belmont. I mean, it was it was rough. And, you know, you pick that phone up and thank goodness for your mom and your sister, because that's the only two people you're hearing from. Yeah. And, um, it, you know, it, I think sometimes it bothers me when I hear coaches be critical of other coaches because you have no idea what they're going through. You have no idea the circumstances they're under. You have no I mean, you've worked in school systems. You've dealt with things behind the scenes that you can't say publicly that are really holding you back, that are really making it difficult for you to have success, but you can't come out and say that. And so for other coaches that really, I, I don't think you should ever, ever, ever listen to people that have strong opinions about things they have limited information on. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I know everybody's heard the saying, don't, don't take advice from somebody you wouldn't take criticism. Don't take criticism from somebody you wouldn't take advice from. And so I think as coaches understanding what, what does it mean if every kid in that locker room was my kid, how do I want to treat? And the other thing is, coaches, how we treat each other. So good. So good. The last couple of questions here. What's one thing you've learned in coaching, leadership, culture building that you wish you could go back and help your younger self do more effectively? Or, or maybe it's easier to say, you know, like what's one piece of advice for a young coach who might be listening here um, in terms of, you know, what you prioritized or, or how you went about it um, that you think your experience has helped clarify for you? Well, that, that is a great question because, and, and I mean this with total sincerity, um, you know, I've made so many mistakes, so many things I wish I'd have done differently, but I think probably going back to where we started, it's just valuing the person, yeah. you know, the, 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 at the end of the day, it's, and I remember sitting in clinics or hearing coaches talk about all the most rewarding things is when these kids come back and they're older and they figure some of this stuff out. And I just, you kind of roll your eyes. You're like, okay, now th there's nothing like it. Yeah. Th th there's just nothing like it. And, and just how important the relationships are and how, how much, you know, we can all learn and grow from each other, but just, just for me to say, okay, like, this is why, I'm, what is your purpose? Why do you do this? 
I mean, I, I, if I'm doing this just to win basketball games, I'm going to be always be disappointed, always. But but if you're doing it to be impactful in lives and and you know when when you play sports or anytime you're a part of an organization, I think particularly in athletics, is you just want to make memories. You know that that's what we're trying to do. I told our guys our first meeting that we, we got a chance to make some great memories, and let's do that. And, and when I'm said and done, I want to have stories. I know the the guys that that work with me, they get tired of me telling them stories like on the trips and stuff like that. But you know, in 32 years, you get some good ones. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's some really, really neat stories out there. And, and every kid is 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 a story that's ready to be written and for you to help them. And and then also, I would say this, too. I think comparison is the thief of all joy. And, you know, everybody has to run their own race. Everybody. So go run your race. Don't don't get so caught up in, in where you coach or what level you coach, but why do you coach? Um, the last three years being a – being able to coach at the division one level. I've gotten to do a lot, a lot, a lot of neat things. And it's been a lot of fun. I'm eternally thankful for the opportunity I have. But honestly, when I was coaching at Bellhaven College 32 years ago in a 200 seat gym, it meant every bit as much to me. I mean, I mean, I, I coached the other night against uh, one of the first kids I ever signed. He played on my first team at Bellhaven. Um, you know, we have great memories. We were telling stories and my assistant coach from that team was at that game, you know, and, that that's the stuff you really value and just so don't i mean and also you know as you go start getting into this stuff never too high never too low i mean you know that there's there's I, I say a lot too there's two types of coaches those that are humble and those that are about to be period i mean it's coming if you do it long enough there is going to be some tough 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 times but i tell you what winning is hard and you better celebrate the wins and don't apologize for that because when you're able to to go and, and have a, a special night or a special victory, you should never apologize for being excited about that. My thanks to Lenny Aka for his generosity and insight today. And thanks to you, too, for taking the time to listen to this episode of the Champions 101 Culture and Leadership Podcast. I hope you were challenged and encouraged by this conversation. Wherever you are and whatever you're doing, make today a great day. Lead with courage and conviction and keep doing what champions do.